Continuing at verse 8, there were in the same country, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward all. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they had heard it all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Here's a Christmas challenge for you. Try to find a painting of the Nativity that's not mm, sanitized. Almost all the paintings that I found show Mary and Joseph and everybody else very cleaned up. Mary and Joseph are well-dressed, calm, serene. They seem fully ready to play host and hostess to shepherds and magi. They don't look like terrified young parents with no mother-in-law or grandparents around to pitch in with their first child. They're always surrounded by cows and donkeys and sheep, but no one in these paintings seems to notice that these farm animals smell like farm animals. Most of us are here today because the Christmas story is familiar and comforting. We're used to the paintings and carols that surround the story with a rosy hue. When you've heard the Christmas story over and over, often read in hushed tones by candlelight, it's easy to miss the mess of it, the humanity of it, but also the surprise of it, the incongruity of it. Here we have Augustus Caesar and King Herod on the one hand, and those poor nobodies, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, on the other. Luke starts the story with Caesar and Herod for a reason. It's kind of like one of those long pan shots in a movie, in Lawrence of Arabia, for example, where you see the blinding white desert and a tiny speck in the distance, and eventually it becomes a man on a camel. 
In the Christmas story, the opening shot includes the whole Roman Empire, and the camera zooms in on the little stable in Bethlehem because throughout his gospel, Luke is interested in the contrast between the power of the Roman Empire and the power of God. When the angels sing of peace on earth, they're raising a question. Is it the emperor in Rome who will bring peace, or is it God? In this juxtaposition of the grand and the meager, Rome and the lowly stable, Luke witnesses to the irony, even the absurdity, of the event that we celebrate today. That God, creator, ruler, and sustainer of the cosmos, would not only notice us, our ups and downs, dreams and disappointments, triumphs and tragedies, but would also care enough about us to take them on, becoming one of us and one with us. Luke's grand opening, followed by a quick turn to a simple, even humble story, gives us the gospel, the good news, in a nutshell. That the immortal and all-powerful God does not shy away from ordinary, finite, and even mundane and messed-up creatures like us. Instead, God embraces our lot and our lives. From this, we not only learn about God, that God is love, that God will not give up on us, that there is no length or depth to which God will not go to reach us, we also learn something about ourselves, and the whole creation, for that matter. We learn that we have worth, that we have dignity, that we and all of creation are of inestimable value to God, that all those around us are treasured children of God, all of them. God came to dwell in ordinary human flesh, and in this way, hallowed it and all creation, and so set the pattern for us to honor each other and the whole created order in just the same way. God came to dwell in ordinary human flesh and in this way hallowed it, and so set the pattern for us to honor each other and creation in just the same way. When I mentioned the sanitized nativity paintings earlier, I said almost all of them were cleaned up because I did find one painting that was different, painted by an American artist, Gary Melchers, in 1891. He was of the naturalist school of painters. It shows Joseph and Mary and the baby alone in what looks like a stone cellar. No angels, no shepherds, no cattle lowing, Mary is slumped against a wall, looking as if she's actually been through a physical ordeal. Joseph looks emotionally exhausted and drained. The baby appears to be sleeping, oblivious to the miserable surroundings. When I saw this very sad painting, I understood in a fresh way why I prefer the sweet smiles of the young shepherds in the painting on the cover of your bulletins. It's probably the same reason I find myself turning off the news so often recently. The world is dark and frightening, a dark and frightening place right now. And a little Christmas cheer 
would go a long way. I've had the song, We Need a Little Christmas, stuck in my head the past few weeks because, my friends, we do need a little Christmas. And we need it, as the song says, right this very minute. But maybe, while we all need a break from the news every now and then, the Christmas we need isn't the sanitized, cleaned-up version. Maybe we need this absurd and incongruous message that God comes to us in a vulnerable baby, born to poor, nobody parents in a Middle Eastern backwater village, in a stable surrounded by mess and bad smells with no crib for a bed. Maybe we need to remember that the first people to hear about it, those shepherds out on the hillside, are the kind of people that you'd never invite to dinner and you'd pray that your daughter wouldn't marry. Maybe we need to hear again that they were told, be not afraid. We need the reminder that they and us and everybody else in this messed up world are treasured children of God, and that God chooses to work through us anyway, through real people with real challenges, through God didn't choose a fairy tale princess to bear the Savior, but an unwed peasant girl. God didn't choose a political or business success story to name and care for Jesus, but rather a man with his own doubts and questions who just wanted to do the right thing but needed angelic help to accomplish it. God chose to come to us in all that is most humble and ordinary around us and within us, not to some stronger, cleaner, loftier, lovelier, better people or places, but to us, as we are, where we are, not when we're wiser or stronger, smarter, richer, not when we've got it all together. God comes to us in our fatigue and grief, our weakness and shame, even in our fear, in all that is most truly, embarrassingly, starkly, hopelessly, and messily human. God comes to us that we might finally turn toward what is most human, touch what is most human, love what is most human, not only in those who are easy to love, but also in those who are hard to love. That's why we're here. That's why the church exists. My friends, the purpose of the church is to help people figure out how to love each other because loving each other is not all rainbows and unicorns. It's hard, it's complicated, it's messy, and we need to help each other and to rely on God's help in order to do it. Many Sundays we conclude our children's sermon with a prayer that we call the pretzel prayer because it has three parts, like a twisted pretzel has three parts. It's the simplest and the best prayer that I know. It goes, God, I love you. Help me to love others as you love me. As our associate pastor Diana Bell often says, it's all that simple and it's all that hard. But we trust that when we work on this together, when we follow Jesus together, when we teach each other how to love and practice loving together, we are more likely to come closer to what he would have us do and be. 
The prophet Isaiah says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We know the darkness, the fearful darkness, in which people have stopped believing that war will end or that justice will come or that a government will change or that the church cares or that what is broken can be healed. But when the world was dark, a child was born, the light of the world and good news for all people who are in dire need of recalling that God comes and continues to come and continues to work through folks just like us. That is the mystery. That is the good news of Christmas. God's longing to love through and be loved in the most human of humans, in folks just like us. It was Christmas Eve in New York City at the Riverside Church, and the pews were packed. William Sloan Coffin was the pastor. It was his custom to preach after the children's Christmas pageant. That year, the role of the innkeeper in the pageant was played by Tim, a boy with Down syndrome. Now, contrary to every Christmas pageant you've ever seen, the innkeeper doesn't actually appear in Luke's Gospel or anywhere else in Scripture, but we've all imagined the innkeeper delivering the message of no room to the baby Jesus and his parents. The role seemed perfect for Tim because he had only one line to remember. There's no room at the inn. He practiced it again and again with his parents and the pageant director, and he seemed to have mastered it. So there Tim stood on the chancel of the sanctuary, his bathroom, bathrobe costume firmly belted over his broad stomach. As Mary and Joseph made their way down the center aisle, they reached the front of the church, they said their lines, and waited for his reply. Tim's parents the pageant director, the whole congregation almost leaned forward as if willing him to remember his line. There's no room at the inn, Tim boomed out, just as rehearsed. But then as Mary and Joseph turned on cue to travel further on, Tim suddenly yelled, wait! They turned back, startled, along with the congregation, and they looked at Tim in surprise. You can stay at my house, he called. (laughs) William Sloan Coffin strode to the pulpit, said, Amen, and sat down. God comes. God comes through folks like Tim and like you. Through folks like us. We are called to welcome them. May it be so for you and for me. Amen and Merry Christmas.